Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholas. And today on the show, we've got a very special guest. Her name is Angela Strang, and she comes to us live from the great city of Invercargill. Angela, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. And today we're talking about how Angela has managed to retire at the ripe old age of 34. Now, 34? I know. Now, the really good thing is that Angela is a listener of the show, and I always think it's very important to have people who listen to the show, real property investors here to talk to us. Frankly, first of all, it means that we don't always have opus people who work in the same office, have quite similar mindsets, so we get a different perspective. But also, it just allows you guys at home to hear from people who are like you who are out there investing in property. Now, look, let's skip the small talk, get straight to the good stuff. Angela, you said before we hit recording that you retired at 34, but were financially free at the age of 30. Now, just walk us through, for you, what's the difference between being retired and being financially free? Yeah, retired's a bit of a funny word. I'll come back to that after. But yeah, to answer your question, when I was 30, I had a passive income from my properties that was just under what I was earning as a salary. So, I mean, I could have quit my job quite easily and felt comfortable about doing that. But I wouldn't have felt comfortable if five of my properties needed new roofs all of a sudden. So it didn't really sit right with me to quit at that time. Fast forward four years when I was 34, the properties were then generating a six-figure income. So I felt completely comfortable in quitting my job and retiring, I suppose. But retirement's such a funny word because I actually put it out there on Instagram recently to ask the question, you know, if like me, where I've chosen to look after my rental properties and I work two and a half hours a week on average managing them, am I really retired? And the majority of people said, yes, you are, because you choose to do that. And then I also asked, well, I'm a mother now and I've got a two-year-old, another another baby on the way. So am I actually retired because (laughs) I'm actually being a mum full-time? And most people said no. And that was really cool to hear because I guess they consider motherhood as a full-time job. A full-time and then some. It would be interesting to have more discussions. Yeah, I think that's really great that there's actually that recognition for probably what is the hardest job, hence why I'm not doing that in my family, because that will be a full-time job and then the extra Yeah, but it'd be interesting to see if you decided to just come into work tomorrow and said, look, Ed, I've had enough of working with you. I'm going to quit work next week and just live off your rental income, which I'm sure you could. I guess you're retired. But then when your baby comes along, even if you decide to go play golf for eight hours a day, are you actually retired? Because you still have the fatherhood duties, say from 5pm to 8am. It's just a really interesting topic to discuss. Absolutely, and I tell you this for free. Not, it's absolutely d- d- not going to happen. <laughs> despite the despite the fact that I can't play golf, every day as I drive in on a Monday morning and think, oh God, I've got to put up with that Ed again for a whole nother week. I just couldn't do anything else. Tell me this, what drove you to want to retire, in inverted commas, in your 30s? It was my childhood. So when I was six years old, my second home was actually a women's refuge. So we're there for five days. And then I guess technically we were actually homeless. Um, wow. Just, I guess, reading articles, you know, the last few months, I've realised actually seeing, you know, how people have to live in with friends and family and cars, that they're considered homeless. And I thought, gosh, well, that was actually me as a kid because my next house after Women's Refuge was living in my grandparents' two-bedroom unit with my brothers and my mother living in two single beds pushed together and then me on a lilo on the floor in that second room and then you know a house sitting opportunity and then finally getting a rental so having a mum on the solo parents benefit and seeing her struggle financially I just had a massive drive to change things 
I remember maybe around seven to nine years old, I saw my mum crying over her budget book again and I just distinctly remember going back to my bedroom and saying to myself, I am never, ever going to put myself in that position. I'm going to be rich when I grow up. I didn't know how, but I just knew I was going to do it, and it, it's just been my driving force ever since that time. That's really interesting. Just, just that's both that, of us. Yeah, it's, it's having that mental challenge of of seeing parents struggle and think, I don't know how, but I'm just going to make sure that I don't have to worry about money. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about just to sidetrack a minute, but similar thing to you, Angela? Have I ever talked on the show about the five hundred dollar electricity bill? No. This is like... Oh, that sounds like my dream. (laughs) Well, this is like so engraved in my memory. The day that we got a $500 electricity bill, because William, my brother, was probably at home having all of these hot showers after being at boarding school. selfish boy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, I don't even know whether this is true, and I apologise if I get this wrong, because now my mum actually does listen to the show. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) Ellie. But she'll tell me if I get this wrong. But I remember, I'm pretty sure like there were some questions like, oh my God, am I going to be... I was so worried as a kid, was I going to be able to afford to go to the school camp because we had this big electricity bill? Like, I always think about that yeah. and be like, I need to have enough money so I don't have to worry about going oh, to camp. I'm sure knowing your parents that they saved every last dollar to get rid of you for a week. <laughs> 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 Took out a second mortgage. Let's get Ed out of the house for a week so we can have some peace and quiet. Well, let's get back to Angela because she's the one that's the guest on the show. Now, before we get into more of the numbers stuff, what I want to know though, Angela, is how do you spend your time? Because surely your mates are all out there working while you're quote unquote retired. <laughs> Well, I'm a mum now, so I have no free time. (laughs) (laughs) But having a passive income allows me to be a full-time mum and have the quality time with my son and soon-to-be second job. But it also allows me the cash flow to be able to pay for daycare for two days a week for my son to go into daycare and for me to have a break. It's wonderful. I really recommend it. Yeah, yeah. What do you do um, on your day off? Catch up with my mates then. Oh, yeah. Go for massages, (laughs) catch up with mates, but also, you know, clean the house, mow the lawns so that when... My son is home. We do have that full-on quality time. I am completely present when he's here. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm really enjoying the balance now. So let's come across to the numbers. What's allowed you to retire so young? Have you sold some of your properties? Have you relied on the rent roll? What's actually allowed it to happen? Yeah, it's completely through the rent roll. I've always gone for passive income. I've always had that goal of by the time I had children, I wanted the income to be passive and come in so that I didn't have to worry about money and worry about finances if anything were to go wrong. Once I quit working full time, I actually had started a home staging business. So I was running that before I actually sold that when I was 34. But that pretty much just was replacing the income that I was getting from working for wages or salary before that. So I can hand on heart say that all my income that I'm living off is all just from rental properties and investing that whole last 11 years. And so what was your job before you retired, in inverted commas? Oh, what haven't I done? <laughs> Tractor driving, mining. Really? <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff. And one thing <laughs> that I just want to kind of point out, Although, you know, Angela, I'm a bit loath to call you retired, given that there is still so much that you've got to do being the full-time mum, but you could retire if you wanted to. You're in the position where if you didn't have kids, you would be retired or you'd have that ability to because you've got that passive income. And that's the kind of ideal situation where you are in the position where you've got the passive income coming in. I kind of think of retirement as choosing what you do. Now, choosing to have a family is exactly what Angela's decided to do. Totally agree. 
So let me ask you this, Angela. How many properties do you need to retire? I think it's different for everybody and depending on how much cash flow those properties bring in. For me, to get to that sort of financially free stage was about eight properties and I now have 11 properties in the portfolio. That's great. And are they all down in Southland? Yes, they're in Otago and Southland. So just to give people some context without asking you exactly what you live off per week, give us a sense of, of say, one of your rental properties, what percentage goes to expenses and what percentage goes towards actually living off? Because naturally, you're going to have lots of expenses on your rental property. It's not like you've got 11 properties all paying you $500 a week that you then live off. Yeah, for sure. So the properties, when I say that they make six figures, that's after interest, rates and insurance. So the only other thing after that is paying the accountant once a year and then maintenance. However, the maintenance isn't so much these days because I've always renovated the properties. So there's probably only two flats in one house that really could do with a makeover. But those tenants have been in there for gosh, 14, 16 years, eight years. So they'd rather have the lower rent. And these 11 properties, you were just saying before, provide about a six-figure income for you. What a beautiful thing. Yeah. The great thing is this goes to show that you don't need you know huge numbers of properties to get to where you want to be, right? Can I ask, have you looked into how much the interest deductibility is going to affect you? Yes, I have. I obviously did my figures on that when it came out. And what I ended up doing last year is because now time is more valuable to me, I actually ended up deciding to give up my room-by-room rentals. So you can't just kick those tenants out. You have to either renovate it, give them a 90-day notice to renovate, or sell the property. So two of them I sold. One I subdivided and sold both the house and the section. And the third one I've just finished a renovation and then I'm renting that out to one tenant. But doing that also halved my debt. So my debt is well under a, a mil now. Awesome. A million. I, I mean, for 11 properties, a million dollars worth of debt's nothing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's the perfect way to combat it. Don't pay any interest in the first place. So Angela, most 34-year-olds aren't even thinking about retirement, but that's the point where you retired. So what did you decide when your goal was and when, when you were going to retire? Well, obviously that first goal was when I was very young and that was just that I wanted to get rich and to not have to be in a financially stressful position when I had children myself. But the other probably pivotal moment was when I was in the mining industry and I love swimming laps and that's sort of my meditation thinking time. And I just remember one day I was thinking, gosh, I've got four properties now that are earning X amount of dollars. All I actually really need to do is to double that and then I could move back to New Zealand and be earning the same wage as what I would be earning without having to do anything, basically retiring. So I got very excited. I'm a bit of a spreadsheet nerd like Ed is. Really. <laughs> uh, we started work at 5.30 in the morning in the mining industry. So I got up at 4.30 to get to work an hour before so I could get out my laptop and spreadsheets and work out exactly how much longer did I need to keep mining for before I could buy another four properties and move home. And that turned out to be September 2014. Awesome. How many years before that was that? I basically bought my first investment property at 24 when I was working in the mining industry. So, and then I moved home when I was 29. Five years later. God, it does, no time at all. No time at all. How much did you get paid in the... So was it the income from mining? Because I imagine you get paid quite a bit if you're doing that, and I'm assuming this is in Australia. Was that the primary enabler that allowed you to purchase so many properties relatively quickly? Yes, for sure. I mean, mining got me my first five properties. I'm just imagining Ed now in a mining hat. Oh, I was going to say. light on his head. That's it. I'm going to go be a miner. <laughs> <laughs> this economist thing, it's not allowing me to get five properties. <laughs> 
in five years. You wouldn't last five minutes. So, Angela, coming back to mining, that's what allowed you to get those first five properties by the time you were 29. Yes, that's right. I mean, it was great money, what you earn in mining, but I think the bonus of it was that you don't have any expenses. You're stuck out in the middle of the desert. You could literally only spend $3 on a stubby, and you can probably only drink five of those a night if you so you don't blow numbers in the bag in the morning. <laughs> oh, come on, Angela. You're from Invercargill. You'll do seven. <laughs> I can push the boat out a little bit sometimes. <laughs> I also save money by not having a place to live. The majority of my time in mining, I would just have my backpack on site and then I'd have another little tub of my possessions. And I'd just go to Asia on my breaks or go back to New Zealand or go somewhere new in Australia. It was actually cheaper for me to do that than pay for five weeks accommodation, you know, a room in a house for five weeks when I was only going to be using it for one week of that time. That's awesome. That's a beautiful thing. And last question before we wrap up, Angela. What I want to ask, this is a bit of a, a, bit of a nice fluffy question. I want to know, how is your life different compared to if you were working? What is retiring and having this passive income from your properties, what does it actually allow you to do? Freedom. Being able to do what you want when you want is huge. It really is a beautiful thing, as you said. (laughs) I can spend quality time with my son, which is awesome. I can be a mum, but also contribute financially, which makes me feel quite proud. And I can be a mum, but also get 12 and a half hours a week of free time to myself, get massages every two weeks, go shopping and buy nice clothes. I mean, I never had brand new clothes when I was growing up so I feel like it's a bit of a thing that I like to buy new clothes for my son and me and the biggest thing I guess is just not having any financial stress you know you don't ever have to think can I afford this can I buy that you just go and do it that's awesome and is your mum still around Angela yeah yeah awesome She's awesome. Awesome. I mean, she must be so proud of how far you've come. Obviously, having money doesn't guarantee that you're going to make money later on. And similarly, having no money doesn't guarantee you're going to have no money later on. But just seeing how you've worked so hard to be able to provide, obviously, the financial things that she couldn't, but be a great mum as she obviously has been, she must be hugely proud of you. Yeah, I think it just shows that it doesn't matter how you grow up in New Zealand, anyone can do this and anyone can retire in 10 years. You sound like me, Ange, but much nicer. I'm just like, preach, sister, (laughs) preach. And actually, one of the reasons that I love this is that this is a really good example of essentially what our book, Wealth Plan, which is coming out later in the year, is basically all about. The idea that, hey, you buy some properties, you eventually have a passive income, you don't retire on crazy money, you retire on, you know, in your case you've done six figures, you're not retiring on a million dollars a year, but a reasonable income, it replaces what what you'd be otherwise earning, and then you have a nice life. And the beautiful thing is, by the time you're 54, Angela, you're still going to have this passive income without needing to work. Sorry, the dog was barking in the background. That's That's okay, okay. it's kind of cute. That's okay, we like it to be real. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, Angela, let's wrap it up there, but we will be doing a case study about you. We're going to talk more about the property side in tomorrow's episode, what you've bought, some of the highlights of the actual investment side. But just want to thank you for coming on and sharing the retirement side because it's just so interesting. So everybody listening, make sure you tune in tomorrow. We're going to be talking to Angela again and might even find out a little bit about the Invercargill property market. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.